Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU. Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome to the program. I'm Andy Griffin, live on a sunshiny morning. Still pretty cool out there in the low 40s right now, but going uh, to warm up to the mid-50s today and just be a, another beautiful day in Utah's Dixie. Uh, thanks for joining in. It's Mayor Thursday today. I have the man of the hour, at least for the last 24 hours. Crest Staley is here. Crest is the mayor, of course, of Washington City. Crest, how are you, man? Doing well. Good morning, Andy. Thanks for coming on the show today. Talked to you for a minute before you gave your State of the City address yesterday. Uh, you said you weren't really nervous, but I think you were a little bit nervous. A little bit. I didn't sleep the night before, but I did sleep well last night. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Not not as nervous about radio. Well, you've done radio a few times. not that big a deal compared to all those people looking at you. By the way, fantastic job on the presentation, a little PowerPoint presentation talking about the city. Uh, I... Even though, and we'll talk about the future of the city in a few minutes, I, I did enjoy the, the little bit of um, looking in the rearview mirror, a little, little look back at what Washington City used to be and, and some of the nostalgia involved in that. And you're, I mean, you're born and bred, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was an interesting thought as I was preparing for the state of the city was, you know, I grew up in the 80s in Washington and we had somewhere between three, three and 4,000 residents. Wow. As I... As we fast forward today, we're 10 times larger than, than, than in my youth. Crazy, craziness. Uh, we still miss the burger place. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> but people don't know this, but right on the corner of, what is that, Maine and, and Telegraph? Is that where it is, yeah, I the think burger place used to be? Yeah, 100. Oh, 100 and Telegraph. There's a place called the Burger Place, and they had homemade buns, which to me was like, that sold the burger. No matter how, <laughs> how good the burger was or wasn't, the buns were amazing in that place. And then my wife discovered at some point, and we're talking about maybe mid to, mid to late 90s, uh, they had something called the Tunnel of Fudge, and it was a, it was a milkshake, and then and they made a hole in the middle and put fudge in the hole in the middle. And, uh, yeah, when that place closed down, it was a sad day in the Griffin household. I, I understand. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, uh, Crest brought a friend with him today. Uh, his friend happens to be armed as well. His name is Jason Williams, the chief of police for Washington City. Jason, thanks for coming on today, man. Good morning. Thank you for having me here. This is uh, not something I do a lot. Maybe it'll uh, be a different career choice after retirement from law enforcement to get into radio. We'll see how this goes. There you go. You can be my sidekick. That'd be fun. We'll both be armed just in case, though. <laughs> uh, Chris, talk a little bit about, and we're going to talk about some of the policing things in a minute, but talk a little bit about that nostalgia. What are some of the things that are, I don't know if they're gone or kind of gone and, and, and have changed from Washington City from back when you were a kid growing up in the 80s till, till now, and uh, them being gone, is it all bad? So some of the things that, that I mentioned yesterday, obviously the burger place, and there was a little Nysons hardware store. Nysons mm -hmm. Merck was across the street. It was a great place to find fabric and penny candy and, you know, different hardware items. So certainly when, when uh, Telegraph Street was widened, uh, you know, both of those, the burger place and Nysons Merck were casualties. But other things that I mentioned yesterday were the warm springs, the boilers. The boilers, yeah. it was the It was the town swimming hole for years and years. 
Um, of course, I mentioned yesterday too that we've we've now taken the boilers and turned it into a, we've we've turned it into a, a park, and we call it a natural spring and conservation garden, which is which is just great. So we've been able to to, to rehab that. But and, and let me talk about it for one second. Uh, if you if you don't know what we're talking about, because I didn't for the first few years I lived here, uh, it's it's kind of a natural pond. It's off of Buena Vista. Uh, on the uh, would be the west side of the freeway, north, yeah, kind of north northwest, northwest side, side of the freeway, and uh, it it is not hot. It's not like the hot springs. It's not a hundred and something degrees. It it's about seventy five, eighty degrees, but it stays at temperature all year long. It's pretty cool. And 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 so in the winter when it's cold, you'll see it steaming up a little bit. Mm-hmm, but you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. It comes out at, at earth temperature, and it's a natural spring. It's one of the reasons why those early um, you know, cotton mission settlers settled in that area because there were there were there was the, the warm springs that we call the boilers, the Adair Spring, the Mill Creek. They they chose to settle there because of the close proximity to water. And and I like the fact that you guys uh, didn't bury it, didn't get rid of it. You said that's part of who we are. Let's highlight it. And you made a beautiful little park out of it. It's great, and you'll notice that the park there is not a no swimming sign there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. In fact, I had heard a story uh, right after the park had opened about a longtime resident, a guy, guy in his 90s that actually jumped in. Maybe you know more about that than I do. I've heard of a few jumping in. My, my yeah. favorite as a youth, though, there, there were some big cottonwood trees along the banks there, and, and, and the rope swings were great. And, of course, it wasn't <laughs> swimming suits. It was cut off Levi's, right? So yeah. but we can go. But today it's beautiful as well. And as you go there, you can, there's pickleball courts and and you can walk down. It, it kind of um, meanders down to the from the parking area down to the park itself. And along that path, there are uh, native plants. And we've mm. partnered with the Washington County Water Conservancy District to where you can take your phone and take a picture of the QR code, and it will give you the information on that plant and show you why it's native and why it would be an appropriate wise. Uh, stewardship of water type of plant to have in your own yard. So it's educational as well in terms of landscaping and, and water. Who is the QR code specialist on that? Because that seems like that would be hard to do. Yeah, so actually it's the Conservancy District. And, and the okay. branding of the boilers is consistent with the, with the um, Red Hills Desert Garden mm-hmm. and the garden at Tonequin Park. So, so that was a great partnership, and, and it's, it's um, you know, kind of on the list of desert gardens. So... It, it's unique enough that I think we made the cut. We at least convinced them to make the cut. Would, would you say, Chris, Walmart moving into Washington City was the number one impetus for, for the changing of the city a lot? I mean, obviously, the, the, the income tax dollars helps from Walmart. Yeah, certainly, if you, if you consider that, you know, that Main Street and Telegraph intersection there, there was also a grocery store that was also Nysons. And mm-hmm. I think when, when Walmart moved in and Albertsons, you know, the hometown grocer just couldn't quite compete. Right. And, and frankly, for years and years, Washington residents were quite content to drive into town, so to speak, to shop in St. George. So, so the little bit of downtown that we've had historically were, in, in a certain sense, casualties to the growth. And obviously, that's something that, that I laid out some of it, a vision yesterday, that we're looking to partner with, with private and public sectors and work with the property owners in order to to build something and rebuild some of the things that we've lost so that that continues to be a place to gather, that it's, that it's attractive and inviting and walkable. So I call it the heart of our city. I sometimes refer it to as our living room, but, but that's, that's important to me. It's important to our city and we have some work to do. 
I, uh, in my news story this morning, I talked about you giving the State of the City address, and I said, I'm going to read this to you. Maybe you can tell me if it's accurate. Uh, major effort underway to give the city a vibrant destination-based downtown area with shops, art, and points of interest. Oh, I love it. I, I wish you had written that for me before I gave my speech. It's, it's better than what I said. <laughs> You did all right. I, I, I just was trying to capture the essence of what you said. Hopefully we did. Spot on. But uh, so, so the future of Washington City, obviously there's a lot of growth on the east side in particular. Uh, what we used to call the Washington Fields, which aren't really fields too much anymore. Uh, but uh, is, that, is that something that you spend a lot of time thinking about, how to handle the, the growth out there, how to handle the, the inevitable things that come with growth, traffic and crime and things like that. Yeah, certainly that that is uh, on my mind constantly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just driving through the fields, you know, back and forth to work every day and just in conversation with my wife, she, she poses the question, how will future generations even know why it was called the fields? Because yeah. we see these, these beautiful alfalfa fields and, you know, there's a general plan or subdivision or, or construction having begun on so many of these and, and so I, I kind of console myself with recognizing that while it was historically a great place to grow crops, now it's it's a great place to, to grow families and individuals who want to live in just a great place. But we, we are being very intentional, though, in, in what and where and how things develop in the fields. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're proceeding with as much caution as we possibly can. One of the things you talked about yesterday, I thought this was spot on and accurate, but also uh, questions that need to be answered. We're, we're taking care of some of the high-density housing with all those apartments being built and, and everything. Obviously, the single-family houses, the, the kind of the more middle or upper middle class is taken care of. But there's a, a gap. There's that group in the middle, and you talked about it with our kids. We want our kids to be able to live here. We want them to be able to buy a house. But, you you know, a starter house is not a five or $600,000 house. That's not possible. Will you talk about that a little bit, Chris? Yeah, sure. The, the term that we that, that I have liked to use on this is that missing middle. Missing middle. And, you know, I think to myself, I have children who are in, you know, various phases of, you know, high school and into college. And I wonder how do they compete against retirees from California or other places yeah. to, to buy a home? I mean, people who are established have maybe a pension and a retirement and equity. So so that's concerning. But the it's not as, as, as simple of a solution as just recognizing the problem, which we recognize. I think uh, we are um, mindful of the issue. We are willing to and looking for different areas where, where it might make sense to have some sort of attainable, affordable housing. But we really need to be in partnership with other government entities, with, especially with the private sector and those who are saying, hey, um, you know, let's 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 work collaboratively to to find some options. And and to me, the best options is for ownership. So as we look at some mm-hmm. of these higher density areas that, that might be coming in the future, um, I am making a plug with those with those property developers that to have some ownership opportunities, because I, I just think that elevates the, the, the community when people have a stake in where they live. So it, the missing middle, the ownership you're talking about, are we talking about townhomes or duplexes or fourplexes? Or, or what, what do you mean exactly? It, it could be that. I'll, I'll tell you, one that, one that I really like is down, um, down near, I think they call it Red Waters. But one thing that we did there is we allowed for a smaller footprint and smaller uh, or, or uh, shorter side yard setbacks. 
And so okay. what that allows is for them to be single family homes still, but instead of maybe a 10 or 15 foot side yard, it's a seven or eight foot side yard setback. So that allows the, uh, them to be single family homes. There's a community park there. There's a smaller footprint for the, for the yard, but it allows people to have that ownership in a, in a single family home, which I actually really like that approach. The, the challenge is just finding the property that can be, that can pencil out for the developers, but certainly the city, we're, we're a willing partner to the extent that we can be. And we have some other ideas that are in the works that I, that I probably won't share on the air, but, but we recognize the private sector and the public sector have a, have a role in, in, in facing the issues like this. It's tough for a developer, you know, people call them greedy, but at the same time, they've got to make money. And if you can build a $600,000 home and make maybe seventy-five dollars or $100,000 on it versus a $300,000 home that makes, you know, $20,000 on it, what are you going to do if you're a developer, you know? Well, exactly. And there are so many me. things out of our control with, you know, yeah. with, the, with supply chain and, and cost of materials and shortages of labor. So we certainly have a part. Um, but we're not the total solution. Let's uh, let's bring Jason in a little bit and talk about p- policing a little bit. We're talking. It's Mayor Thursday with Chris Staley from Washington City. We also have Washington City Police Chief Jason Williams here. Uh, Jason, I get Kyle Whitehead on once a month, and, and we sit and talk about St. George Police. I I've talked with Nate Brooksby a few times, but this is the first time I believe you've been on the air with me. Is that right? This is the first time, and I appreciate the the invitation. Well, I'm glad you're here. Hopefully, um, I don't disappoint. <laughs> no, you won't. Uh, Say, you know, Washington City, uh, well, first of all, t- tell me about your police force. How big is it? How many guys do you have? What kind of shifts are they running? And, and what's your focus? So we are a 24-hour police service for Washington City. We've got 32 sworn uh, police officers um, from wow. for me to our, our newest hire. Um, we run investigations, school resource officers. We've got members in, our, in the drug task force with the county. We participate with the county metro SWAT team the metro public order team we've got canines so we are a smaller agency but have um kind of a a big footprint in in the law enforcement community for for this area so and jason you probably know this my wife was the court clerk for many many years 20 23 24 years something like that uh, serving washington city she was there when you know there was a police force and then there was the sheriff's department that was contracting out to washington city and and finally a police force once again, uh, with Washington City, uh, the court can be profitable, but that's not what the public wants to talk about. Of course, they don't want to hear how they had to pay for a ticket and you know and help support the court. But uh, what what is your guys's focus? I, I mean, I think people get the wrong impression. I know I have in the past that well, there's not really any real crime in Southern Utah, but there is, isn't there? Absolutely, and I I, I joke a little bit about the D that's on. On the Black Hill here, a, a lot of people think that stands for denial um, because they're in denial that there isn't big crime here in this in this area, but there absolutely is. And with growth in the community, we we see that firsthand. Um, we we deal with with all major crimes, maybe just not to the frequency in a bigger city, but we are we're not. We're not immune to that, so we we need to stay in front of it. We need to stay progressive. We need to stay forward thinking, and and you know the the ways of law enforcement need to continue to develop so we can better combat those issues when they when they come up. So yeah, when the, when the city goes from three thousand to thirty three thousand in you know in in Cress's young lifetime, then you know that there are some things that are are certainly going to develop. 
during that time. Uh, how many at any one time? How many patrol cars might be out on the road in Washington City? You're going to see a minimum of probably four to five. For for Washington City during during the daytime during the week you'll see more because of administration and detectives and and, and then your your patrol officers but um, we we keep at least four to five out there. Have you seen Jason the effect that we've seen nationwide of a, a lot of people? Uh, you know, I mean the defund the police and and don't respect the police and, and police getting ambushed and and it seems like your profession has taken some pretty big hits and I hope not that's not the case in southern Utah. Have you seen any reflection of that? We have seen the opposite from oh, our good. community. Um, they have just been fantastic and shown their support for for their local law enforcement. Um, it's sad that we are um, put in the same frame as you know those bigger cities and and you know but you know we we need to be mindful if we don't have good leadership and good policing and good policies that we might fall into that so it's good to have an oversight from the community but it's better to have their support Yesterday, Crest talked a little bit in the state of the city about your resource officers, and that's a fancy name for the policemen on campus or, or you know at the schools. How many of those do you have, and what is the focus for those guys? So we have three. Um, there's one in our intermediate school, one mm-hmm. in our middle school and high school, and they are there as a liaison for the school district um, to to kind of bridge that gap with with um, with the kids and the and the schools. And to just help facilitate a positive environment for for learning, um, as you know, uh, through throughout history and stuff, that that schools can become a, a target rich environment for yeah. violence. Yeah, um, and to have uh, these resource officers there on campus, then they're able to build rapport and and also protect um, the students from from those incidents. So. It, it takes to Jason a special personality to be a school resource officer. I've known a few over the years. Uh, one of my good friends, Travis Brown, was over at Snow Canyon for many, many years, and you have to be. I'm not going to. I don't mean this derogatorily. You have to be a different kind of guy to want to be a school resource officer. Would you Would you say that's true? Absolutely. The mindset is definitely different. Yeah. Um, it's 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 not an enforcement mindset. It's a partnership that that you're building there in the school and with and with the students there. And, you know, to, to be able to go in there and to, you know, maybe remove any barriers or biases that, that students or teachers or faculty might have towards law enforcement and build that partnership, it, it does take a different um, officer to, to be able to be in there and to be successful. Now, I'm, I'm getting old. It's been, well, I graduated in 1984 from high school, so I can't comment on the current state of affairs at high school, except for I cover sporting events a lot, but... Uh, when I was in high school, it seemed like every day there was some sort of fist fight, guys trying to be studly and, and macho and whatever. Crest can probably agree. It was probably maybe that way a little bit when he was in high school, too. Uh, does that still happen in schools today? And what is the role of a resource officer in that situation? I mean, we're talking about an armed police officer and a couple of you know 16-year-olds who didn't like the way you know the other one looked at his girlfriend or whatever. Right. So the the first the first level of enforcement at any school is actually the school administration. Okay. Um, they if they want to include that school resource officer into that, then then they will. But it, it falls under the administration of that school on how they want to deal with with those issues inside the school. 
Um, he, like I said, he's there as a resource. He's not necessarily, not, not necessarily there to, um, be that enforcement arm for, for the school. So, so best case scenario, he doesn't get involved in, in, in a fight. Not well, he, he will in a sense to break it up, but but after that, then it, it falls back onto the school on how they want to deal with that in that incident. So. By the way, probably worth mentioning the three. What, what are the, the guys' names, the three resource officers? So I've got Officer Scheme at our intermediate school, mm-hmm. Officer Nash at the middle school, and Officer Bott at the high school. Yeah, I love those guys. I, I don't know either, any any of the three, but just the fact that they do what they do is pretty admirable to me. Because you kind of have aspects of a, a school teacher, uh, a hall monitor, a school administrator, and, of course, a police officer all rolled into one guy. So it's a, it's a job. Like I said, I don't think there are too many of us that could do that. Chris, I don't know about you, but I, I don't think I could do that job. No, I think they're great. And one thing I love about uh, Officer Bod is he's actually the voice of the Mustang. So while you're calling on the radio with those games, he's down on uh, side court and, and announcing right. the game. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe, Chief, that um, – that they even teach a law enforcement class there at the high school and, and offer some internship opportunities to attract new, you know, new, new, new recruits. Right. So uh, Officer Bott is engaged in the high school, and he does do a law enforcement class. And then just recently we started with the school district and uh, able to participate in their internship program. Currently we have two interns um, that frequent Washington City Police, and uh, they get to learn and, and experience different aspects of law enforcement through that program. Chief, I had someone on, it's been a year now or so, but they said uh, in the state of Utah, there's something like 600 uh, short of officers around the state, and nationwide it's in the thousands. Have you found yourself unable to find new hires? Has it been difficult? It has had some difficulties. Um, Washington City is still an attractive place to come work and live, and and we haven't felt that um, that crunch heavily as some other areas. But definitely, the it's not so much not having the staff; it's just having the new generation of workforce wanting to get into the to law enforcement. You know, mm-hmm. with with some of the negative media towards law enforcement it's yeah. it's not quite as glamorous or quite as attractive for some people to want to get into that arena so well we support the blue definitely right chris absolutely right, we got to get a weather break in when we come back we'll continue with chris staley mayor of washington city and washington washington city police chief jason williams guys you're good to hang around a little longer absolutely all right cool Good morning, everybody. Andy Griffin here along with Troy Paul from the Barbecue Pit Stop. And, uh, you know, Troy, one of the things you guys offer, which I think is fantastic at the Barbecue Pit Stop, is classes to help people become better at barbecuing. I love it. Well, thanks, Andy. I know that you've been to a few of them, too. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and it's hopefully it's something for everybody. What we have a lot of is when customers come in and, and maybe they'll buy a smoker uh, for the first time, they're a little bit intimidated. Yeah. Because they're not sure what it, what to do with it. You think, oh, smokers for you know people that want to spend a lot of time in their backyard. And then we tell them the story about how it's so much easier than what people think it is. But that's still like, okay, but I haven't done it. I right. haven't seen it. I haven't right. felt it. I haven't tasted it or whatever it is. And, and so it's still intimidating. So what we try to do is make it easier for people by doing a demonstration. And so we have classes about once a month. Then we'll bring in a, a local professional. Or we'll bring some, sometimes from out of town a national name. Yeah. Uh, but basically what we try to do is 
make it really simple and have an open class forum where people can ask questions. But we just demonstrate it right there on the spot. It's cool. We got a television with the cameras right above it, so you can see exactly what's happening. Um, and and then you get to eat the food too. So I was going to say you, you haven't <laughs> told them the best part. Once right. you show them what to do, you let them try it because you have the finished product there. That's amazing. Yeah, just worth the price of admission just for the food alone because you get to eat that and it's, you know, usually leave pretty full and, and happy that way. I think anytime you get into a new thing, a new hobby or whatever it is, it is a little intimidating because everybody you know has already been doing it a long time and they're professionals at it. So this is a tremendous service. I know you start off with some of the basics like a pulled pork, a, you know, pork butt and, and stuff like that. It'll help get people's feet wet and their appetite wetted. <laughs> I like that, yeah. So it really is. And whatever the topic is, whether you're just looking for an intro class, we have those. Um, oftentimes brisket is one of the big, you know, mountains mm-hmm. that barbecue people want to, you know, mount there. And so they're, <laughs> they're concerned and like, how do I attack this thing? And so we'll show a brisket class. We'll show... Uh, you know, like I say, the pork or whatever it is, Turkey ribs, Thanksgiving, absolutely. Yeah. But just come into our store anytime. We've got our list of classes in there uh, or eventbrite.com and see what's up next. Sounds great. Thanks, Troy. You bet. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, Troy approached me a while back and said, I'd like to do some barbecue tips during your show. and Let's get it done. And uh, I love it. Crest Staley is here on Mayor Thursday along with Washington City Police Chief Jason Williams. Either of you guys barbecue. Are you smokers? You, you like doing that? I don't have a smoker, no. um, but I do barbecue every once in a while. Okay. Can't say I'm all that good at it, but I tend to eat most of what I barbecue. So If it's edible, then you're good at it. That's right. Crest, right. <laughs> what about you? I'm in the same boat as the chief there. Uh, we need to get you guys hooked up, get you a Yoder or a Traeger or something and get you smoking meat. Uh, you'll, you'll become very popular very fast. Would love that, absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks for listening today to the Andy Griffin Show. We're talking with Chris Staley and Jason Williams, uh, talking Washington City today. Uh, and Noah Mayor, you wanted to talk a little bit about, I think what you called it, community policing. Is that right? Yeah, so that's a philosophy that our, our police department and our chief has, has promoted that I really like. It, that we, they refer to it as community-oriented policing. Mm-hmm. And, and COP, really, right? Uh, sure, <laughs> sure. And, and I love their involvement with the schools. In fact, we talked a little bit about the intermediate, middle, and high schools. But, but with this police department, it, it really even starts in, in the elementary schools. I mean, I've, I've accompanied... Uh, RPD into Riverside Elementary and Washington Elementary and, and mm-hmm. some of those schools as as they'll go visit the um, they'll go visit the classrooms on Hero Day and they'll start to build that rapport. I also really appreciate the way that they um, you know they they monitor the traffic out in front of the schools. So that, so that, you know on your morning commute you'll see them in front of the intermediate, the middle, of the high school, and, and keeping people safe. And you know you have a lot of students walking or on their scooters or bikes and things, and so. This is a police department that just has a fantastic culture. They're involved in our community. They care about it, and usually um, are way ahead of things that um, that that, I'm, that aren't even on my radar. They're already seeing. But so that's one aspect of that community-oriented policing. The other aspect, and I'll let I'll let Chief speak more to this, but it's it's in regards to what they call a crime-free housing uh, initiative, and and frankly, that's a partnership with with property managers landlords, tenants, to try to keep those multifamily areas uh, crime-free. And, and I think it's a great initiative. I love the fact that our, our PD is being proactive in that regards. 
and, and trying to stay out in front of crime, not only in our schools, but also in some of our housing areas, um, you know, before they become, before we see crime, uh, um, you know, creep up. You know, the, the COP philosophy, you know, the, the, the major part of that success is the partnership that we have with our community members. Um, without, their, without their partnership, without their willingness to interact and be a part of our, our mission, um, it's very hard for a police department to thrive. Um, with this crime-free housing, um, this is something that we've wanted to get going as, as you know, the city continues to grow and develop. Um, the need for housing is, is there as well. So we've had quite a few developments um, do um, multifamily housing. And so we've partnered with their property management and to try and establish a crime-free housing for, for their communities. Um, this is, this is a, a program that allows a great partnership with the tenants, with the, the management and, and law enforcement to be able to preserve and maintain that high quality of life that they want and want to enjoy for long term. By the way, folks, if you want to call into the program, we are taking calls at 435-673-5890. I don't think I've given out that number yet, this program. So if you want to call 673-5890, you can also text me at 435-467-5842. And it's funny, I I didn't look at my phone for the first 20 minutes. I got my phone out, and I had a text, and they said, uh, and so obviously it's 10 minutes old, but they said, you're 20 minutes into the program, and you haven't mentioned water yet, Mayor. (laughs) They know me well. That's usually yeah. my number one topic. Yeah. I mean, obviously, anytime we have a mayor on, and that, that right now, because we are in a drought, that's the number one issue is is water. What is Washington City's role in all this? I, I mean, do you d- defer to the Conservancy District, or, or, or how do you fit in? Yeah, so, so we, we are part of the Washington County Water Conservancy District. We have our – we have – uh, sources we have wells and we have um, storage tanks and, and we have uh, some of the distribution system but but really you know when the Washington County Water Conservancy District was created it was uh, their mission is to procure water for for those municipal municipalities who participate mm-hmm. so we rely heavily on them for their treatment facility for the distribution but I'll just add a few of the things that that I always say about water is is the simple fact that we live in a desert. We need to act like it, mm-hmm. and in so doing, water conservation is not just a good idea. It's essential because our lives and our livelihoods depend on it. So, you know, I could, we could talk a little bit about the um, the the um, landscape conservation ordinance that's coming forward. We could talk a little bit about uh, the um, conservation master plan, water master plan that we've just updated with the state. Um, depending on how detailed you want to get into those. Well, I, I, you know, do you still have people, Chris, that say, you know what, it's my land, and I'm going to do whatever I want with it, and screw you? I mean, do you still get that? So I have actually never heard that. Most most people are very aware that uh, that water is is a limited resource. They recognize that we rely entirely on the Virgin River Basin for our water. I That's think in good. general, most people recognize that we all have you know have a duty here together, but. Um, you know, some might question uh, whether or not a municipality ought to be involved in the regulating of of what a land uh, a landscape should look like on new housing. Uh, certainly, that ordinance that we're that we're looking at, a kind of a countywide, uh, it, it focuses on new construction, on new yeah. build, and and it doesn't really affect uh, those that are 
um, you know, have existing landscapes and yards. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Richard, I believe, on line one. Richard, are you there? Morning, gentlemen. Morning. A couple of questions. First off, what's the status on that medical center that's supposed to be coming? And second one, I understand you've got a big soccer complex you guys are building. Is that going to be turf or is that going to be AstroTurf? Great, great question. Yeah, good question. So, so yeah, Stewart Medical, uh, and I ask this about every week to our economic development director, and every time I ask that, I'm reassured that the plan right now is for that to continue forward, and that's part of that Zion Medical Village. It would be uh, north of I-15, um, right off of Exit 13, and so so we're hopeful. Uh, we, you know, we welcome we welcome uh, Stewart Medical and, and hope that that they continue forward. It hasn't been um, necessarily at the pace that I think we initially thought it would be. The, uh, the Red Slope Soccer Complex um, is a, a little bit on hold, uh, which, which is frustrating to me, uh, but that it was a project that um, initially has been uh, approved and intended to be down in the Stuckey Farms subdivision. And was this going to be city-owned? So this was a, a private uh, sector okay. development, and, and one of the reasons why it made sense for them is because of the water shares that are in that area that, that are um, brackish-type water that's not necessarily culinary water. Mm-hmm. So that is water that would be able to be used for those fields. But as of, as of right now, that, um, the, 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 the buyer and the seller have not been able to come to terms on that, so that's in a holding pattern now. Mm. Uh, but the answer about water is if that does come forward, it would be uh, essentially secondary water or, or a little bit mixed water in order to irrigate those fields, so not necessarily potable water. And, and back to the medical center, Stewart, I think is the name of it. Uh, it's, it's coming. It's just slow. Is that, is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying, and I wish I had more details. I would absolutely share them over the airwaves if I, if I had more information. But the answer that I keep getting is that, that uh, it, is still, um, it is still the plan to bring that forward. Got another text that said, don't talk about water. Talk about growth control, uh, controlling growth, that is. What, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I'm, I guess I'm going to answer part of it in saying, is there really a whole lot you can do about controlling growth when, when people buy land they want to build, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely a delicate balance. On the, on the one hand, there's property owners who have have um, you know a right to to bring things forward, but as a city, you know we we have a duty to be able to provide for you know the services that cities provide. And uh, I, I think the limitation that we would have there is is we may not be able to provide um, the things that they need. And if that's the case, I think uh, the the free market would kind of or the market or the availability of resources would would control that growth, but. But certainly anything that's coming forward, we're, we're trying to be very intentional. We're trying to be very selective and, and, uh, and thoughtful in, in what comes forward. And um, like, like a lot of issues that we face, they're, they're complicated. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely complicated. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, this is America, right? You know, I, I know you have a balance, Mayor, that you have to strike or, you know, enforcement of, of certain uh, uh, ordinances or whatever versus, you know, the freedom of being an American and making the, the choice that you have to make. I know, Jason, you have to deal with that on a daily basis, and, and sometimes laws are laws, and you have to enforce a law. Even even if someone believes they are right in principle, if they're breaking the law, they're breaking the law. Is that, is that about right? 
Absolutely. And, you know, there's got to be a, a balancing act. Um, you can look at the letter of the law and then spirit of the law. You know, in, in Washington City, we try and use education as more of a enforcement part of that, of that, um, of that enforcement. So, you know, when, when people break the law, we want to make sure they understand more of what they're breaking and try and get a, a voluntary compliance to, to uphold the law versus be a lawbreaker. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. I, I'm going to take a, get another quick commercial break in. We'll have more with Chief Jason Williams, Washington City Police, and Mayor Crest Staley, the mayor of uh, Washington City now for what's it been, almost uh, over, a little over a month. So uh, more with that. But first, let's talk about Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney, his specialty is customer service. He's a loan officer. So before those interest rates go up, it'd be a good time to refi or get into that house or apartment or condo or whatever it is you've been looking at. Do it now while the interest rates haven't climbed up just yet. And the best thing to do is to call Joe Shoney because he will keep you apprised of everything that's happening all the way along the way with your loan. Hundreds of reviews online, and you'll see that he gets an average score of 4.9 out of 5 stars. Phenomenal numbers. Just go to experience.com, and you can see for yourself. It's Joe Shoney, loan consultant serving Southern Utah for more than two and a half decades. His phone number is 435-590-6300. It's NMLS121041. Hey, stick around. The Sean Hannity Show with me, Sean Hannity, is next at 1 o'clock. Right now, you are listening to my friend Andy Griffin right here on News Radio 890 AM, 92.5 FM, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back to the program, 951 KDXU. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in. Mayor Thursday, Chris Staley, Washington City, is with me, along with Chief Jason Williams from Washington City as well. Uh, Crest, the crowd at... Uh, oh, by the way, this is another uh, great Washington tradition, is the the, uh, the the group of homes. What are we calling it now? It used to be Staley Catering Complex. Now it's... Uh, Cottontown Village. Cottontown Village, yeah. I, sorry, the name escaped me. We were in the dance hall. Which I've actually been to a few wedding receptions in that in that building, but uh, you were there and uh, you packed it in, man. There were there were a lot of people there. Yeah, there was a great crowd, and um, it was a lot of fun to see some some old friends, familiar faces, and and then some new faces, and 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 a good mix of old and new residents as well. It was it was a great event. By the way, and and they are not paying me. I've never gotten a penny from them, but Red Barn is right there in that development. Folks, if you've never been to the Red Barn, you know the one up, I think it's like Santa Quinn or Salina, somewhere up there in the middle part of the state. Uh, They opened one here in southern Utah, in Washington City, right there in Cottontown Village. Red Barn is a unique kind of store. They have things like produce. Uh, specialty candies, uh, meat, uh, pies, but they have an ice cream section. And Crest knows he's nodding his head because he and I have both indulged in the ice cream there at Red Barn a few times. No, it's, it's uh, it gives us, I think, some solace in losing the burger place. And what did you call those <laughs> funnel shakes that I regret I'd never oh, had? Yeah, tunnel, tunnel of fudge. Tunnel of fudge, tunnel yes. Of, you never had one of those, huh? Oh, man. It was, yeah, you know, a few years ago, I guess Dairy Queen came up with something like it, but even though that was good, it was not burger place level good. So, and I don't think it was on the menu either. Their tunnel of fudge—you had to just know about it. That's probably why you never had one. A secret menu. I was out of the loop. <laughs> it was a secret. Only the police department knew about it, Jason. <laughs> Jason, how long have you been chief now? 
I was uh, put in April 1st. I thought it was a big uh, April Fool's joke, but April 1st, <laughs> 2019. Wow. All right. Going on uh, three years, I guess, in the yeah. next couple of months. That's that's phenomenal. What are some of the, the biggest issues that you as a chief face if, with the Washington City Police Department? Um, as we continue down this journey of growth, um, we have seen a big a big influx with narcotics coming through oh, our that's sad to hear coming yeah. through our interstate system um, i fifteen is a major corridor that comes from Southern California and can connect you to the western United States through i seventy and so forth so it's a big it's a big high traffic area um, since just some quick numbers from June of last year to present time, we have probably seized over $3 million in illegal narcotics that have been trafficked through that wow. corridor, wow. Um, including um, stolen firearms, currency, and stuff also used in the drug trade. So it's, it's, a, it's a big problem, and it, it, it's going to take a lot of resources to, to crack down on that. Is there one drug that seems to be trending right now? I know fentanyl is often mentioned. Is it? Is there one particular one that the, you know, the illegal people, the illegals are, are are going after? Yeah, right. Right now, we're seeing a lot of the the fentanyl pills and uh, methamphetamine being trafficked quite a bit. So mm-hmm. now, now you say you talk about the freeway and how obviously the freeway goes through Washington City. Uh, is that not, though, mostly the responsibility of the UHP, or, or are you guys also responsible for that? The freeway enforcement does primarily fall under UHP. However, because it's inside city limits, we have some prudence there as well to to enforce laws as well. And, and you know, a, a lot of these drugs that we're, we're capturing may not be destined for Washington City, obviously, but we still have an obligation and a right to protect other communities north of us and so forth. Um, it, it's, it's a trickling effect. Uh, you know, there is some belief out there and, and you can see it in the court systems and whatnot that, you know, there's not high penalty for, for drug crimes because they, they, they don't see it as a, you know, a high victim crime. They, they almost consider it a victimless crime and it's only affecting that person that uses, right? But that's completely false. Um, Drugs can plague a community very rapidly if not if not dealt with. It can, yeah, it can definitely it can change a community for the worse. Absolutely. Um, yesterday, and I know you can't talk a lot about details of any of this, but yesterday there was uh, uh, throughout the valley, not not just uh, you know where I live or, or where you live, but throughout the valley, there were several raids. Uh, my wife was out walking. As a matter of fact, it was still dark. It was like 6 a.m. or a little before 6. And there were some booms and some flashes. And everybody was like, oh, you know, what, what's going on? Something exploded. But it was actually warrants being served. Is that right? That That's true. There was a, a, a large police presence yesterday morning um, that uh, was dealing just with that issue in, in our communities, a, a drug issue. And so several warrants were were served at several locations, and that's what you were hearing were those flashbangs being used in, uh, to affect these warrants at that early morning hours. I, I, I can't imagine that the, the people that, that, that were being busted were awake, even awake at that point in the morning. I don't know. I don't know anything about them, but uh, it's, it seems like they would have been asleep anyway, so maybe, maybe it was a, actually not maybe, probably a perfect time to, to do the bus. Right. We... All of that is calculated when when uh, a warrant is served. You know, obviously that element of surprise, you know, 
try to use that towards uh, law enforcement favor um, just to to mitigate any any risk and and uh, injury so Washington County Drug Task Force recently got an award, uh, I think it was Best in the West or something like that. Uh, how involved is Washington City with the Washington County Drug Task Force? We do have a detective that is assigned to the Drug Task Force. Um, that task force is compromised or, or is comprised of, you know, uh, detectives with St. George City, the County Sheriff's Office, Hurricane City Police Department, um, APMP, and uh, I believe uh, Santa Clara Ivans. Yeah, keep an eye on the bad guys. That's what we want you to do. Good job, Jason. Appreciate you know, the, that. The 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 drug or the criminal population uh, knows no jurisdiction, right? So it, it yeah, takes right. it takes a collaborative effort from all agencies and all community partners to to combat this. And we appreciate our partnership with with the task force and and other members that help in help with that. So. Great point. He's Jason Williams, Chief of Police for Washington City Crest. We've got about a minute left. Uh, I guess my question, and maybe open-ended for you, the future of Washington City looks... It looks bright. I mean, we're we're certainly optimistic. In my my vision, you know, I see see this puzzle coming together with with a a downtown, just as you described, with with, uh, some of those puzzle pieces that are missing right now coming back together. Washington has a great... A resilient heritage. We've we've faced similar issues. We're facing the the modern uh, types of those issues today. But but we love to gather. We, we're a strong community. We love to be uh, downtown, and and uh, it's a it's a great place to be. And and we'll, we'll, we're going to be just fine. Kind of a special job you have in that you have to keep some of the old, some of the nostalgia, some of the feel good, and marry it with the new and the growth and the future and and. The, 33,000 residents so and growing. Thank you, Crest, for coming in. Jason, you too. Uh, great job today. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. It's 9.59 on KDXU. Open line Friday tomorrow. And by the way, just a quick plug. Next Thursday for 30 minutes, we will have Representative Chris Stewart from the U.S. Congress right here on the Andy Griffin Show. He'll be here live in the studio. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, for now, uh, thanks for listening. Folks, we'll talk to you tomorrow.